guys, welcome to the second episode of the ADHD and Me podcast with me, ADHD Girl. If you're joining us after listening to the first episode, I want to send out a big thank you for the support because the more of you who listen, like, share and subscribe to this podcast, the more we can raise awareness of what it's like to live with ADHD. Today's episode is all about a failing system. Now, a lot of people think that failing system is the schools. And of course, there are some schools who are far better than others at dealing with children with ADHD. But the wider issue that I want to talk to you about today is the SEND system in the UK. It's difficult to access. COVID has meant longer delays for an already slow referral process. And the complexity of it leaves some parents baffled, frustrated and having to fight incredibly hard for their child to receive an education. Now, even once a child with ADHD receives a diagnosis via the SEND system, the fight doesn't end there. Because once receiving a diagnosis, then there is the education system to contend with, which is all fine and good if the main form of treatment, i.e. medication, keeps on coming. But hey, wait, what's this? Suddenly, there is a global shortage of ADHD medication, which is affecting millions of children across the UK in the classroom. For more information on that, check out ADHDandme.org and look out for the upcoming ADHD and Me podcast special, The Medication Crisis. Boy, have I got a fun-packed podcast episode for you guys today. First, I take you right to the heart of the action at a SEN reform protest I attended last month, where I talked to parents and the protest organisers about why the system needs to change. Next, I speak to a parent who has tried to navigate and fight the system for 17 years, but says it still fails her children with ADHD. Finally, I'll be speaking to Asenko, who works across three different schools, about the difficulties of her job within the current system and how it's affecting children with ADHD. of hundreds of angry voices who understand the UK SEND system isn't good enough. Because it's not just children with ADHD who are being failed by this system. It's a wider issue that's affecting millions of children with autism, global delay and other additional needs. I spoke to parents at the event about their experience of the system. Hi, so can you tell me why you're here today protesting the SEND reform? Okay, I'm Abby and I have a... I'm neurodivergent. I have a child who's got autism and dyslexia who's in mainstream who is struggling and we're part of a community arts company that's set up called Willful Misfits to actually try and get young people involved in the arts and adults and celebrate neurodiversity rather than have it um, rather than have it seen as a negative. And one of my son's ways of doing things is he writes poetry to try and explain to himself and the world what's going on in his head and I just thought it was really poignant that he wrote a, a little stanza of his latest poem is people like us are written off we're not expected to shine if we don't fulfill our potential that should be a crime wow. and I think out the mouth of a 12 year old yeah, you know fantastic. Rishi Sunak could do a lot to listen to voices exactly. like his but unfortunately don't because they're just pushed under the carpet they are indeed mm. they are indeed so can you tell me why you're here and protesting today I'm here to fight them. I, what I didn't get I thought my son am so I got left arm, got down nose 18 with dyslexia, and I'm not letting my son get left arm now. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's slightly moved forward, but 20 odd years, no one here. And <laughs> um, so could you tell me why you're here protesting today? I have three grandchildren suffering with mental health issues, uh, different things, but we need to show our support 
and shout to bring out this Tory government for more support, more financing, more opportunities for young people to get on with their lives today. Thank you so much. Hi, would you like to tell me why you're here protesting today? Right, I'm here today because I've got three children with uh, special educational needs. But my main reason is because my oldest, who's six, his name's Charlie, he's on the autism spectrum. He's not currently in school and being assessed for PDA. And because he masks in school, he's been sort of left left uh, to, with no support. And they've said he's absolutely fine, even though he's not. And now the school can't meet his needs and they can't actually have him in the school because it's not safe or something. So he's got access to no education and he's... Uh, waiting for home tuition whilst he waits for a special uh, school place. Wow, so he hasn't even got any education at all? Not at the minute, now. There you have it. So many parents think the SEND system doesn't work for their child. And their child is part of the next generation, so we do have to do better and get it right. But what did the event organisers have to say about why they'd organised the event in the first place and what needs to happen moving forward? Can you tell me why this protest is happening today and why you've organised it? So this is part of a wider campaign to reform the whole of the SEND system for the entire of England. Um, SEND has been chronically underfunded for years. EHCPs are legally binding to take 20 weeks. The national average is now 49%, wow. which is disgusting, yeah. with some councils actually achieving 0%. Wow. So underfunding is sacrificing the happiness and ability to thrive of all children with additional needs. And it just needs to stop. It can't continue. Mm. So we would like extra funding, extra send places and send schools, more funding and support and resources going into mainstream schools. And we want greater training and support for teachers and TAs as well. Because without that training and support and the resources they need, they can't achieve what is being asked of them. And it's not it's not because they don't want to and it's not because they're not capable. They're just not being given the training and the resources they need to be able to do that. Thank you very much. From attending that SEND reform protest, it was very clear that there's a huge demand for change right across the UK. But will we get it? That's the main question. Our next guest is somebody I've known personally for about 17 years. I would describe her as a lioness who's always fighting to get her children what they need. Despite that, she feels like the compulsory education system in the UK has really let her and her children down. Um, welcome, Emma. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hiya. So obviously, I'm Emma. I'm a mum to six children. I've got five boys and a girl. So how old, you said that you've got two children diagnosed at present, so how old were they when they were diagnosed with ADHD? So Reggie is currently nine, Reggie's two years diagnosed. It was it was a quite quick process for Reggie, right. which was quite shocking. Yeah. So Reggie had his QB test something like the April. We had a um, consultation appointment in the June. The October is when we had mm. the appointment with our consultant at the at CDC. And she said that based on his QB results, mm. it was very apparent that he's ADHD. Yeah. So obviously from there, Reggie has been medicated. Are you currently affected by the ADHD medication shortage? Are you okay for now? We have been affected numerous times before this shortage oh, happened. Right. So he was put on a, I'm going to say it wrong, Equizen. Oh, Equizen, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, that's what he initially started on. And my pharmacy has always had a nightmare getting a hold of it. Mm. Like it's always been a problem. 
your other child, James, so when was he diagnosed with the ADHD? He was diagnosed this year in March. Wow. And and has he got an EHCP plan in place? Is that yeah? So James has an EHCP, which he has had since year three. And they didn't actually think, why does this child need the EHCP? Was he referred for ADHD at some point? So James went to like mainstream primary school. Mm-hmm. Um, reception amazing, no mm-hmm. issues whatsoever. And he went into year one, and it was like this slippery slope. Yeah, which is very common for children with additional needs because they can't stand the structure of the national. Yeah, so when, it was, yeah. when they're in reception, there is no structure routine. Mm, it's like free play. It's play based, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All their work is play based. So when they go into year one and they're, and they're suddenly expected mm. to follow this routine, it's like, oh my god, what do we do? Yeah, say? big transition. <laughs> yeah, like and and then he couldn't handle it. Like his behaviour was very very difficult. Mm. So they then sent James, it's like a STEM provision in, in right. Warrington. To begin with, it was a case of go to mainstream school in the morning mm. and we'd go at lunchtime, pick James up and go and drop him off at this one. And then they were like, this isn't working and put him on a full-time basis. He, he was trying to hang himself and things like that. Well, if he'd, if he'd got ADHD and he, he wasn't having his needs met, it's quite like some mental health issues escalated from that. Yeah, exactly. They'd be like, no, it's CAMS. So then the school put the referral into CAMS and the CAMS come back and was like, no, this is not CAMS. This this is a child with ADHD or ASD. This child is CBC. Wow. He was getting worse. Mm. Like, self-harming mm. with himself was getting worse. And you could see that his behaviour was deteriorating mm. and things like that. So David Cameron was Prime Minister at this point. So I emailed the Prime Minister's office. I went in about like it, like how the, the, the failings of the system and that there was failings within the child's mental health system as well as within, mm. like, departments for ADHD and ASD within about seven days wow. I got a response and they said that they're planning on making huge changes to the child mm. and adolescent mental health services and that they they would contact CAMS mm. and the local authority and make sure that my child was seen and we did get a CAMS appointment mm-hmm. from that email we were contacted by CAMS and we were given we were mm. given intense therapy going to CAMS for James's CAMS appointments without James for them to teach me work to do with James but then it was like you're not doing no work with James so, so yeah the, but yeah. what else also come from my email is that's when the EHCP process started and that's why right. I don't think I had an issue yeah so you really had to fight for everything so I know because I know you that social services were involved in children's care linked to aspects of their behavior around schooling you know trying to get them in because they were struggling in that kind of environment how did that feel what was the expectation around that you scrutinized felt like they didn't take on like there's additional needs here with these mm. kids this is parenting this is yeah this is all you this is on you you need to do this you need to do that you need to do these parents so like jump through all these hoops but then what are you putting in place to get things in place for these kids so did you feel like your children got an education despite other challenges so obviously you said that james obviously he's not long been diagnosed with ADHD. did that affect his kind of yeah, education so obviously what happened with James? James slipped through the net. So because we've done all the Prime Minister stuff, and yes, he got his CAMS, which wasn't great, but we got it, um, and he got his EHCP. But what he didn't get was assessed. In the end, I picked up that much of a fuss. It got put in last year, and then I had to get onto the CDC with an email complaint saying, my son's in his final year of education now. Mm. Because his diagnosis didn't come through mm. until March this year, mm. he started his GCSEs in April. So before that, he wasn't before he was diagnosed, he weren't allowed to have help with sleep medication. Mm. And sleep medication doesn't work just like that, does no. it? It takes it takes a, a while for that to be able to do mm. anything. 
And he failed all his GCSEs. Mm. Now, you said your two older children are wait, uh, going through the kind of diagnosis. Did they kind of get an education or was it the same kind of story that they we, kind of... Um, so, Ryan and Ben are both not diagnosed. Ryan and Ben have both definitely got ADHD. Mm. Ryan, yeah, you know as a mum. Yeah. yeah, and Ryan has probably got ASD alongside that. Ryan's coming up to 21, Ben's 19. Mm. Ben didn't lose out as much as Ryan because Ben went to that school and then he, went to, he got an EHCP and he was sent to... The other school in Warrington. Ben was lucky because of COVID, which mm. not many people say that, but that, <laughs> that was predictive grades. Ben was all right with telling the teachers the work and what mm. he knew, but Ben couldn't put pen to paper. Which is very common with ADHD. So that, so it takes COVID for your child to kind of exactly have their needs that. met. It didn't fail him, but I think if, if COVID didn't happen, we would. So it wasn't that it didn't been... fail him. It was that covid actually was a bonus for him in a yeah, way exactly exactly that yeah. whereas with ryan so again ryan was also sent to the school mm. that james and ben were sent to however they couldn't handle ryan mm. so then ryan wasn't going to school at all and he didn't get any hcp until year 11 and they sent ryan to preston so then he's got all these behavior issues since primary school yet no ehcp till like his last year of compulsory kind of education is there anything you would have done differently or do you think you did everything you could that it's the education and send system that needs to change i think that things could i could have probably pushed a little bit earlier for ryan and ben mm. if they understood the system a little bit more earlier for ryan and ben that and that's and then when i started pushing mm. it was like they were fighting back against me it's very sad isn't it because you feel and quite rightly so that you've done everything that you could do and you fought as much as you could and yet your children were still failed, not by you, yeah. but, but by the SEND system and education. So is there a lot of anger there, a lot of... Lots of frustration, yeah. The whole system needs an overhaul. Mm. Things need to be done better. Yeah. It's not just about the EHCPs, it's about the diagnosis process mm. as well. That is something else that needs to be overhauled and looked at, like, mm. step up. There is SEND reform plans, but then, as usual with government papers, it doesn't say, this is how we will do it. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so joining me on the podcast now, we have Asenko, who's working out in the field every day with children with ADHD, with children with learning difficulties. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emily. Um, can you just give us a little bit of information about yourself and your kind of experience and background? Yeah, I can. So I'm a non-teaching Senko at the moment, but right. I also am a Senko across a, diff- a number of schools. Wow. So I spread my time across three, ma- three of our schools in our trust at the moment. But I've also got about 15 years worth of teaching experience as well behind uh-huh. me. Wow, so that must be really interesting. So I think a a lot of the problems that Senkos in schools face, obviously you're in a very unique Mm. position, but I think a lot of them struggle to balance the teaching side with the actual Senko role. Do you find it a lot easier with being, you know, just a Senko and working across these schools? Because you must get a really wide scope of what's going on, really. You're spinning lots of plates. Yeah. And the jobs are two very different things as well. So I can focus a lot more now on doing the job that I'm doing as opposed to thinking about, oh, I need to mark all these books. And and, and how does that come into play? Because obviously we know even before COVID, there was, you know, quite long referral 
times in certain areas especially for ADHD how does that affect your ability to do your role? I think at the minute we're having to look further afield at adaptations that we can put in place in the classroom in the meantime really Mm. so I work across three local authorities as well they all have different referral processes obviously we want the same outcome but they're all very different in the way that they do things the lead times at the moment have still not come down from covid but they haven't managed to catch up and i think especially with adhd and the semh route at the moment it's really really tricky because we've got a lot of children that have spent two years more or less at home because obviously when schools were closed that there's now become there's a lot of attachment that's also included in with that so it's quite hard in schools we have got the long wait times but it's also quite hard to Mm. decide if it's adhd that we want to look at or if it's other issues such as attachment that that could be uh, playing a big part in it yeah because that's that's a really interesting one isn't it because there's actually a strong link between ADHD and attachment that's it yeah yeah obviously there's a lot of parental anxiety as well which Mm. I feel has increased since since we've had COVID so of course yeah and how obviously we've got unfortunately a national medication shortage of ADHD medication are you seeing the effects of that in the schools you kind of work in yeah, we're seeing the effects of the, the medication shortages. We're also seeing an effect in, in one one of my authorities at the moment where it's not just the lead times for us to have somebody assessed for ADHD. It's actually the lead times for the specialist nursing teams now to mm. be doing the reviews for it as well. The medication is usually ca- calculated the dosage from the height and the weight of the child. Yeah. So if we're not having them reviewed quickly enough, mm-hmm. um, we're finding that even though they've got medication, that the reviews aren't happening quick enough and really the dosage needs to be adapted. Yeah, because medication is one of the main ways that a child with ADHD can function in a normal classroom environment, pretty much. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that you work across three different skills in three different local authorities, because obviously that's a big issue, isn't it? The postcode lottery in terms of the referral processes and and different kind of, I mean, I've had experience myself of referrals being different in one local authority to another. I mean, would it be easier for for you to do your job if they were all the same? Because I know the green paper that was released by the government, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? They all have appendices as well that go Mm. with them. And that's something that's quite different between the authorities, really. It would make our life a lot easier if they were all the same, because we can, before we even sit down with a parent to go through a referral form, we we know the sorts of things that we need to have on there. But yeah, it, the, the green paper as well, the, the idea really is for a parent to go in and tell their story once. Mm. <laughs> I don't feel that that's very good at the minute either. No. And I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know kind of how it works for you working across three different skills, but do you sometimes get on the end of quite a lot of frustrated parents who are are frustrated with the system? We do. We need to manage expectations and it's not fair for somebody to be thinking, oh, within six months I can have this. It simply just won't happen. And also there's a triage system as well for us to go through. It's not just a case of we can send them in and be assessed. Mm. There's a whole triage process as well. Yeah. And do you ever have, because this, this, this kind of thing in the mainstream media at the moment about ADHD diagnosis increasing and they're saying that's what's leading to the medication shortage and everything. Do you think there's a reason for that? Do you think parents are claiming their child has ADHD when perhaps it's something else? Or do you think there's just generally a better awareness of it now? 
I think it's a bit of both, if I'm honest mm. with you. There's a lot of parents that probably have seen their children in different in a different light as well when they've been trying to learn from home. I, there's definitely an increase, and we do often get parents that will come in and say, "I think my child's got ADHD. I want to I want to do a referral." And it can be quite tricky to sort of balance out that anxiety because mm. I'm a parent, and the, the one thing you all want is the the best for your child. Of course. So being able to kind of balance out whether we think it is ADHD or perhaps there's other other influences Mm -hmm. as well there's a lot of there's a lot of crossovers with with ADHD Mm, yes there is and obviously sometimes it can be difficult for you to do your job in terms of like you say managing all these expectations doing trying to do the best job you can do but then having to work with a system that perhaps isn't the best it can be at the moment you know and hopefully do you think the green paper goes far enough to resolve a lot of those issues do I mean the one thing that concerned me when I read it was the scale of how long it's actually going to take to uh, change these processes but then of course it's a national thing so of course it is going to take some time it goes a long way to address the issues mm-hmm. that are there it, as you say does it go far enough it's it's a it's an open question and it, I think it depends on your area as well I work across different schools and they're all from different demographic areas mm-hmm. and that can make a difference as well so I, but I think it, it's on the way to, mm-hmm. to making those changes obviously I'm assuming that there'll be another paper that comes out at yeah. some point um, <laughs> Hopefully. to review this review yeah. um, which there usually is the other issue in schools obviously is funding mm. a lot of things within that green paper that we all need to be putting in place but funding there's no more money really exactly and this is it isn't it sometimes some of these papers are like this is what we're going to do but there's no kind of money to back it up of how no. we're actually going to do this <laughs> that's it and schools obviously want to do the best mm-hmm, it, of course it, even even if it's a situation where a parent might think there's ADHD, we're not really very sure. We'll always go as far as what we possibly can to meet the child's needs, regardless of what diagnosis we might come out with at the end. But funding is a huge issue, which I think the Green Paper addresses many issues, but the funding doesn't cover those costs. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you and speak to someone with the expertise and experience of yourself. And I hope to speak to you again at some point soon. That's great. Okay, thanks very much for your time. Okay, bye. So there you have it, folks. Is our SEND system really good enough for all the children out there struggling with ADHD in education? This podcast episode would suggest that there is a clear need for change. But I suppose the bigger question is this. What are the government going to do about it? Join me next month on the ADHD and Me podcast for the very exciting Christmas special. Yes, that's right. I'll be talking about all things festive with a fellow adult ADHD friend who I've known for 10 years. There'll be serious discussion, a few jokes, a special competition. And if you're seriously unlucky, there may even be some singing. Thanks for listening, ADHDers and eyes, and take care.